0: Hello, and welcome to What Memory? The podcast for survivors of stroke and brain injury. I'm Stephen Masters, and I'm here with Josh Reed. This is episode six, which we're calling the COVID Brain episode. We've been hearing more and more troubling reports in the news about the effects of COVID on the brain. To find out more, Josh and I were put in touch with Professor Barbara Wilson, a well-renowned clinical neuropsychologist. Professor Wilson literally wrote the book on brain injury rehabilitation, In fact, she's written 26 books and been awarded an OBE for a lifetime of work devoted to the subject. To find out more about her extraordinary career, check her out on Wikipedia. And despite being retired for 14 years, she's currently president of the Encephalitis Society and has an honorary contract both with St George's Hospital in South London and the Oliver Zangwill Centre in Ely in Cambridgeshire. She kindly took time out of a ridiculously busy life to talk to us about covid brain injury, and rehabilitation. We're on Zoom and the sound quality.
1: Right, um, so Barbara, um, the COVID itself, uh, it's mainly from what I understand, a, causes uh, effects with the lungs. Um, I was wondering why there are these potential risks of getting brain damage because of it.
2: Well, it's, first, it's thought of, first of all, as a lung disease, but it's not just the lungs that are affected. It can okay. affect the brain, the heart, the blood, all sorts of things, probably because of this enzyme, ACE2, which... Okay. Is- in all of those um, uh, systems in the body. And because uh, the oh. um, virus can latch onto those, that's why I think so many things are affected.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And is that what then affects the brain?
2: Yeah, the, um, the brain can be affected directly by the virus. Right. Both the grey matter and the white matter, the two main Types of brain tissue. Right. But okay. it can also be um, secondary to something else. Like if your lungs, if you're not breathing properly, you can get hypoxic damage, shortage of oxygen. Right. And that yeah. can lead to brain damage. So it can be a primary effect by directly attacking the brain yeah. or a secondary effect by attacking something else. And then that causes brain damage.
0: So okay. the body trying to cope with all of this is actually in overload and actually then goes on to cause damage in the brain, basically. Well,
2: yeah, I mean, it's just that you can get this damage in the brain. I mean, either the virus goes straight to the brain, so that's Oh,
0: that. right. oh that's serious, yeah.
2: It can go, because of, the say, it's a lung problem, if you're not getting enough oxygen to the brain, you yeah. can get hypoxic brain damage. So that's right. a secondary effect. So oh, wow, you- okay.
0: So even if you don't end up in, in intensive care or on a lung machine or anything like that, a lot of people are saying that they still suffer the, the effects of the brain, even though they've never been in a hospital. Why, why Why does that happen?
2: Well, I don't know that we're entirely sure, but we are seeing it, and we're seeing it with the, some of the St George's lot starting to come through, this long COVID. Yes. Um, and, um, I mean, anybody that's severely ill anyway is likely to have some long-lasting damage, like the cognitive yeah. problems or the mood problems or um, um, extreme fatigue. Um, so I think that, and, and this seems to be happening with, uh, either you can get a direct neurological problem as a result of COVID, yeah. so you get another stroke, for example, but you can also, if you don't have any of those things, you still seem to, some of them seem to end up with these problems. And I don't know that we're entirely sure why. You might need to ask a medic about that.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> so so, so COVID can actually cause you to have a stroke, essentially.
2: Absolutely, yeah, that's well yeah. documented. About yeah. 8% of our St George's referrals have had a stroke as a result of COVID.
0: Oh, Eight, really? Wow. 8%, 8 in 100 have a stroke.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Uh, uh, This is well documented in not not just our study, but lots of studies are showing this. The three things that you can get wrong as a result of COVID um, are stroke, encephalitis, and hypoxic brain damage. Right. Um, Now, we're seeing... um, We've got about 8% of strokes. We've only got one in the other group. I think that's a hypoxic one. We no. haven't had anybody with encephalitis, but one of the studies is showing that you can get quite a lot of people with encephalitis too.
0: Right. Oh, wow.
2: So and that's... some people, of course, have had a stroke prior, an earlier yeah. stroke. Yes. We see <laughs> those do. So we see the ones that have had a previous neurological problem, like a stroke. and then get COVID, and then get worse. We can see the ones that have not had anything wrong with them and get COVID and then have a stroke. That's the 8%. Right. And then we can see some who've had, say, Alzheimer's disease, but are still coping. Yes. Then they have COVID, and then they go right
0: downhill. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Yeah. So basically, Josh and I have both had strokes. So are we more likely to have another stroke if we got COVID?
2: Well, I don't know if you're more likely to have another stroke. You could do. I mean, you could do anyway.
0: Yes, that's very true. Yes, unfortunately.
2: Um, I don't know that we know those. We don't know all these answers yet.
1: Yeah, It's still really, really early days.
2: Yeah. All we do know is there's going to be a lot of people that are going to need neuropsychological help.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: Cognitive problems, their mood problems, their stress, mixture of these.
0: Yeah. But if you take the whole, the, the complete number of people who've had COVID with or without very bad symptoms, um, go on to have brain damage or a stroke, and there's 8% of the entire po- population of people who've had COVID. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it
2: is. It is a lot of people. Yeah. And it's to, um I mean, what seems to be happening there is this um, overcoagulation, so it, it's, the blood's clotting too much, so it causes an ischemic stroke.
0: Right. Okay. Oh boy! The therapy, oh boy!
2: But uh, still less common, I think. It's mostly ischemic strokes, the, um, the clotting ones. Yes. Yeah.
0: So
2: yes, that's, that's what. That's what, what I'm
0: well, that's not nice because that's what it did for me was a clot. Yeah. And- yeah. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. My God. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, um, in terms of variants, then, there are lots of variants of of COVID. Are they more likely to cause brain damage or less likely, or does anybody know?
2: We haven't got those data. I mean, all we've got at the moment are the ones uh, either referred to St. George's that we know about and it was the old strain. Yes. these new ones, and um, there's a, there are a lot of other studies.
0: Well, I, I was thinking we've got lots of vaccines, right? Um, yeah. And these vaccines don't stop you getting COVID; they stop you having the effects of COVID. But well,
2: I don't. They're even hundred percent sure of that, aren't they? No, it's,
0: it's oh, only a, wow. only seventy percent or something. But if you have a vaccine, you get COVID. Would you still have the same kind of brain damage due to COVID? Because you still got the same thing going on.
2: It seemed that I mean, I'm you know, I don't think I'm the right person you should be asking this question to.
0: Yeah. My
2: understanding is no, you won't get that because
0: right. yeah.
2: the people that get strokes have been severely ill. Yeah. And they're typically the ones that have been on ventilators. They've gone to intensive care and then they're on ventilators. Right. Yeah. That high risk group. And it looks as if the vaccine's going to stop you getting into that group.
0: And therefore okay. you would not go on to have a, a stroke because the effects of COVID are so much less. That makes yeah. perfect sense to me, yes. No. That's
2: what my understanding is. Yes,
0: great. Yeah. But what we're getting from this, um, I think, is... Well, i just talking to, to, to Joshua, 8% of... Eight out of a hundred people are going to have rehabilitation problems. That's what yeah. you're saying, isn't it? Really?
2: Oh, no, more than that.
0: Oh, oh, wow.
2: To get a stroke.
1: Okay. Whoa. You're, oh. going,
2: you're going to need it for um, for the um, other. There's a the more than that get cognitive what is the stuff like that. You're going to get cognitive problems through um, if you get encephalitis. If you get anoxia. Yes. Um if you just the fact of being on a ventilator for a long time increases your risk of yes. problems. So in so it's addition far more than eight percent.
0: How many what percent?
2: Far more
0: than eight percent, I said. I didn't give a percent. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to a number on this, probably but I'm I'm just kind of slightly reeling that we're we're looking at something so large. I mean, this is a huge number of people. You
2: see, our our audit from St. George's. Yeah. It's not about numbers in general. It's about the ones who've been referred to the neuropsychology department at St. George's. Right. Oh, okay. And we've got two groups there. We've got this, we call them the standard group. They are the ones who've been in hospital with COVID, survived COVID, and then required a referral to neuropsychology. Right. Okay. That's Group. And then we've got another group called the Vocational Rehab Group. And these are the people had COVID, recovered, gone home, and then come for help with uh, returning to work. Right. Okay. And, we, and that the first group you'll see all over the country where there's a psychologist. Right. right. Get referred. But the second group, uh, people having a vocational rehab service are quite rare.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: so there's not so many of those and ours are just not necessarily typical of what's happening around the country
0: wow okay
1: yeah. well so that goes quite well into the question that I was going to ask was um, so we've got all of these new cases of people needing help and sort of psychological help places like Headway yeah. Are they going to be inundated with all of these extra patients or are they going to make a COVID group to like full care?
2: Well, I don't know what Headway are going to do. My guess is that they will, I would imagine, they're going to get a lot more referrals yeah. because some of these people will have long standing problems. Yeah. Some are going to recover and we don't know that yet. We've got to do the follow up studies.
1: Yeah.
2: But some of them are probably, given what, other coronaviruses have done, like the original SARS and the MERS, yeah. East,
1: is,
2: we know that some people have lasting cognitive problems from um, those. Right. So we we'll expect this new one will too. Okay. And we don't know how many and we don't know if they're going to get referred. They should be referred for neuropsychological assessment and rehab. Yeah. So Headway will pick up some of those. Um, the St George's group they are applying for funding to have a COVID um, rehab pathway. Um, right. And they haven't heard whether they're getting that yet or not. Okay. Um, now, the other centre I'm most familiar with, the Oliver Sangwall Centre, they, um, they take people, the, the walking wounded, so the ones that look okay but aren't okay. Right. Yeah. And they should be getting a lot of COVID referrals, but they haven't had any yet, and I don't think they've applied for funding. Okay. And I was talking to the Encephalitis Society this morning. One of the questions that came up afterwards was, um, we need a proper service for these people. How are we going to get Exactly. And I'm I'm not sure. There's the British Society of Rehab Medicine, which... um, They're the medical side and they are. um, They wrote a paper saying that that there's a big need for rehab, but they recognize that physios are needed, as in physiotherapists, as indeed they are, because these people are deconditioned. Yes. The BSRM, the British Society of Rehab Medicine, did not recognize the importance of neuropsychology. Uh, Right. There's the importance of the cognitive and emotional problems. Yeah. And videos, of course, as important as they are, they're not equipped to deal with that.
1: Right.
2: So I was suggesting to the um, Encephalitis Society that we, um, probably something like the Division of Neuropsychology needs to be arguing for a neuropsychological service. Yeah. yeah. Well, Headway's great. I know Headway and I've done work yeah. for Headway, but they don't do the, the initial assessments and formal treatment programs. It's more a support group. Yes. Yes. So it's fine for that, but I think if you want the, um, to identify the problems and identify carefully what kind of rehab to do, you need a more formal neuropsychological service. Right. Uh, and yes. There isn't one. There isn't one, and there isn't even one plan. But I think the division of neuropsychology should be arguing for this.
0: Yes. Abs- absolutely. Yes.
2: Because the thing is, there's going to
1: be so many people just in the UK alone who are not going to be able to maybe in the extreme cases not look after themselves. In the best cases, uh, probably will get back to work, but who knows when. Um, so, yes, it's it's going to, especially after all of this sort of uh, years of um, sort of like the economy ground into the holes and they're losing everything. They're suddenly going to need all these bodies basically to do sort of manual labour, et cetera, um, and get the economy rolling, go, rolling out again. And there's going to be this whole massive force, group of people who are unable to do that.
2: Well, they're going to be on un- Yes. I mean, there's going to, you're going to see the whole range, but yeah. most, they're people that look okay, but are not okay. That's the yeah. real, and I was um, one of the ones who's gone to voc rehab, vocational rehab at St George's, is a neuropsychologist. Wow, wow. So she was doing research with Huntington's disease patients. She yeah, got COVID, and then she got really quite affected, and she's um, she's been referred to the vocational rehab service. So I don't know what's happened to her,
0: but yeah. So quite a lot of medical staff obviously have ha- had COVID. Um, So, does that mean that basically within the medical profession, we're going to lose some people in terms of neuropsychology just at a time when we actually need more of them?
2: The nurses get it a lot. And the doctor, I mean, I know there's doctors that get it, but um, um, it's not so many neuropsychologists that get it.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: Because a lot of the work, well, a lot of the work I do is remotely now, so I'm not in danger. Yes. But the St George's people—they do some face-to-face work, and my colleague Shay Betridge who does, um, who's there every day. She goes into St George's every day. She's tested every week.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: She's never had it, and she does face-to-face work too. But you know, there's such a big percentage of the um, ethnic minorities that are getting it. Yes. Yeah. Um, far more than the. Um, the demographics of this, the area served by St. George's. Yeah, It's a mixed race area anyway. It's a mixed population, ethnically. Yeah. But even so, there's still more than you would expect from that survey. Wow. Right. These are the clinical group, the ones, the standard. Yes. Yeah. Now, in the up rehab group, there's less of those because I okay. – for whatever reason, they're not getting referred – Mm. Or fewer of them. Some are getting referred, yeah. but fewer of them are.
0: Is that because they are not getting affected in the same way or they're just not getting referred?
2: They don't
0: have the money mm. yeah, to... cheap.
2: Um, I think it's this um, disadvantaged.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes. Because they're disadvantaged. That would be my guess. Right. But, you yeah. know, I'm treading on thin Ice here. Yeah. I'm
0: just... It seems to me there's a lack of data in all of this and that's why
2: we're doing this audit yes yeah trying to find out why are people getting referred well the main reasons are cognitive problems and mood problems right both together that's the main reason for referrals um the men outnumber women about two and a half to one
0: okay that's good to know not (laughs) oh dear
2: um the ethnic minorities are far too represented. Far
0: right. more yeah.
2: than they should be, And I think there's there's several reasons for that. I mean, but there's um, they're more likely to be in the the professions where they're more likely to be exposed, so the bus drivers, the, yeah, yeah. the nurses, who are going to get very close to these folk. Um, yeah. So there's a number of reasons why we're seeing that. But... And the um, we've looked at the standard group and the vocational rehab group. And on the whole, they're quite similar, except the voc rehab group tends to be a bit younger. There yes. tend to be slightly fewer men. It's a more equal balance. Okay. Um, so I don't really, you know, there's all sorts of things we still need to find out. Yeah.
0: So we're still a bit in the dark then about the true extent of this whole. Um, brain injury rehabilitation um, game we're going to have to play as it rolls out over the next couple of years. Because even if we get everybody vaccinated, there's still going to be an ongoing rehabilitation problem for people who've suffered brain injuries through the which could go on for years.
2: But there are papers that have looked at these numbers, and there's a huge range of numbers. Some look at, say, 2%. And some go up to sixty-five percent of people that are gonna have ongoing problems. Uh, Depends how you define the problems, how what yeah. speed. some have been looked at a two months post where there's likely to be a lot. Yes. And some yeah. have looked at, you know, three, four years post where they're gonna most recover. Or some are gonna recover.
0: Earlier on you you referred to it as as SARS. So where does the SARS bit of this come in?
2: Well, the SARS is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. And the original SARS that we all heard about a few years ago.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: About, um, well, this current one is SARS-2 and the illness it causes is COVID-19.
0: Okay. So this is and actually a SARS virus. Yes. Yes.
2: It's, a, it's SARS-2. It's the original I, SARS. Yes,
0: I remember that. I was terrified anyway. It was a terrifying experience for everybody. I remember that very well.
2: And the illness caused by SARS-2 is COVID-19, which is the current pandemic. And the other dangerous one is MERS, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. Right. So there's seven coronaviruses, and three of them are dangerous.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: The original SARS, the current SARS, and the MERS.
0: Okay. Wow. I think if I'd have known this was SARS originally, I would have run for the hills, actually, because that's quite a big, dangerous virus to have, isn't it? I mean, that's awful.
2: It is. It is. And something like 70% of those original SARS had problems, had cognitive or mood problems. Nice. Wow. So I'm surprised you said that, that, that people, the general public don't know that this is a SARS SARS illness, this current one, because that's one of the coronaviruses. I thought that was well-known. I... well I, know medically.
0: Well, I've never heard it referred to as SARS. The, the, nobody ever talks about it as SARS. The first time I've seen any reference um, medically to SARS is my my wife had a vaccine and on her vaccine car, card that she was given it said sars COVID 2 and then the name of the vaccine. And that was the first time I've ever seen anything written which used the word SARS. I'm, I'm a bit surprised that people don't generally refer, refer to it as SARS then in the press and in and government spokesmen and people like that. They talk about COVID, but they never talk about SARS.
2: There's seven coronaviruses. Yes. Four of them just cause things like the common cold and are not dangerous, and three of them are dangerous. Right. Original SARS, the current SARS, and the MERS. Yeah. The
0: illness
2: caused by SARS-2 is COVID-19.
0: Understood. So everybody refers to the illness, but they never refer to the fact that it's SARS. Because I think if the government had actually said it right at the beginning of last year um, in, in March that we were going to lock down because we had a SARS virus, I think everyone would have would, would locked down immediately. I mean, I would have closed, it, closed my door and, and thrown away the key, I think, if I'd have known it was SARS. Well,
2: it is. Sorry.
0: It's <laughs> so, <laughs> not your fault, Barbara. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, so what, what do you think the, the way forward is in in terms of, of, of a strategy? Because it seems to me we, we're going to have to have some kind of strategy to deal with thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are going to be suffering from the effects of COVID on their brain. If there's no strategy at the moment, what do you think the strategy should be?
2: Yeah, well, um, I've just realised that there is some... There is, um Things are moving forward here. So, yeah. uh, the head of psychology at St George's, who's my boss, if you like, is Shay Betridge. Right. Okay. okay. Dr. Shay Betridge, and she's a clinical neuropsychologist like me. Well, she's very involved with Public Health England about setting up a service for COVID 19. Okay. As to survivors.
0: So basically, we're not at a stage where anybody's actually come up with a strategy yet, but the, the need for a strategy is pretty clear, isn't it? We've got to somehow get through an awful lot of people and give them the rehabilitation they actually need. Else they're going to be wandering around in a kind of post-COVID brain damage haze, not wondering, wondering what really happened to them without, with, with no help at all. What I get from all of that, then, is that um, COVID can cause brain damage. That is a thing. Yes. And it's much more – Absolutely. And it's more extensive than we thought. Yeah. Oh, God, completely. Because both
1: the – you know, you can have COVID and it can go straight to the brain uh, itself. Or you can have uh, COVID be absolutely fine in the brain side, but, say, be starved of oxygen so your brain – gets damaged or you know other stuff like that so there can be these secondary effects which cause some brain damage um after the fact so yeah. it's um definitely uh much more we might we're much more enlightened than we were before
0: certainly are i mean the idea that covid could cause you to have a stroke either because you get a clot that then goes around to yes. the brain because you're on a ventilator and all those kinds of things or that it starts to bleed on your brain or the brain swells i mean there's a lot <laughs> I of i know dreadful dreadful things which we're very familiar yes. with but not coming from yes, the covid exactly. i know but it seems to me that there's going to be we need to have more research about this it seems yes, nobody's definitely. nobody's set I mean, up a national the research stages. we are such a, yes uh, completely the beginning which which is a bit strange because we kind of we've we've done the research and we got the vaccine everybody's getting vaccines so we kind of won the war against covid but it seems to me that there there are a lot of people who've been wounded by covid especially brain damage by covid and that's a far bigger percentage than the people who died so for every one person that died there's three or four people who've got other injuries from covid yes um yeah walking wounded walking wounded my god and then The only way you can deal with that, though, I think, I think, is that we've got to have a national strategy to cope with all of this. I don't think you can just leave people to just wander around in a in a brain fog of of a haze of of brain brain injury and pretend it's just you know we're okay. We're past the COVID thing because we're not, are we? By several years, we are. We're you
1: know hopefully, uh, as I think they said um, by July, they hope everyone who's once the vaccine will have had it or maybe over 18 Um, so that that's a good goal that's but then it will be the hard work of like right okay now we need to do x1z for all of the people who've been affected uh mentally not talking about uh, jobs etc mentally from covid
0: yes neurologically basically i mean your brain yeah. has actually been scrambled by covid yeah. so somebody's got to work out how to deal with all these people i can understand that if they've been into hospital and been on the ventilator yeah. then they're going to be looking out for the possible brain damage of covid or yeah. your autoimmune system going in and all that kind of stuff but yeah. what about all those people who never went to hospital who got covid yeah, yeah recover from covid like, only to oh, find, yeah had a cold, yeah, oh, I had a cold. I
1: had, like, really bad flu for two weeks you know what about those people who are like oh actually like six months later they're like oh god i still can't, can't do job
0: their job well. can't like, concentrate um, yeah or, yeah
1: i can't quite concentrate for as long as i oh i always have to have a nap in the afternoon now whereas before i didn't so yeah there's there's I mean there's minor effects definitely and there's major effects which say are strokes and something like that but those minor effects are are they going to get better um maybe with time they will disappear and it will be like your normal again um or your old self again I should say um but we just don't know and I think that's that's the the worry is that we just don't know how this is going to be in five years' time, for no,
0: example. No, There could be still, people still recovering in five years' time. In fact, if you think that people who've had a stroke yeah. due to COVID, but aren't aware that they've had a stroke, never went to hospital, yeah. are now wandering around in a kind of jobless haze, can't <laughs> remember people's names, can't remember you know, what's going on, and what a dreadful state to be in. It seems to me yeah. we, we, that they've got to be kind of triaged in some kind of way, that you yes. keep the vaccine centres open and you just invite all the people who, who feel that they've got a post-COVID damage problem <laughs> to go in and say, well, you know, where am I on, on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of brain damage? And perhaps we should just do that at the same – because if we can come up with a vaccine in a year, which is an amazing <laughs> thing, and oh, roll yeah. it out, I mean, it's an incredible thing to happen, but I think we've got to do the same again – for all the people that have been injured. Yes, definitely. So they are, not, are not just left to wander around the country in you know, exactly. a dreadful haze. Because we've been yeah, there, exactly. we, we know what that's like. And um, oh, oh, I mean, yeah. it's awful. It's awful. I mean, I've spent two and a half years not being able to think straight. So, Mm. oh, my God. And, you
1: know, and and that's the thing. It's like even, so the person, uh, like I was talking to a friend and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm just really tired. And I made, I realized I was making no sense. And I was like, well, yeah, this, this happens still. It's not very, it's very occasional. It's maybe like once every couple of months, but they were like, are you drunk? And I was like, nope, no, nope, <laughs> yes. I am just uh, having a moment. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have a nap and then I'll be fine, uh, which I was, but still.
0: But do you think a number of people who are probably trying to carry on with their jobs, whereas in fact they oh, would yeah. just like to sleep in the afternoon and, and are struggling and struggling because they've got to pay their mortgage and do all the rest of the stuff. I mean... That's actually and, and they're good. forcing
1: themselves and you know they're pushing themselves and they're going to be okay they're going if for example okay maybe i mean this might be pie in the sky but you know if people are like okay the covid is a thing like there's all these people who have had who have issues from covid okay let's all these people have COVID, let's say, oh, have an hour's nap in the afternoon at lunchtime, like, say, the Spanish and their siestas. Um, so a
0: covid siesta. becomes
1: mandatory <laughs> um, in the country, and people work around their own health. And yes. I think, obviously, at the moment, because people are working from home a lot of the time, That is much more manageable because you can go. Oh, okay. I'm going to have half an hour's nap in my bed, and then I can get fresh and ready to work again. But when we go start going back to work, how is that going to be possible? So it's it's going to be a very interesting few years.
0: It is, isn't it? Because I think what is best. And I think I like your idea that that businesses are going to have to cope with an awful lot of people who are suffering brain damage due to COVID and are going to have to come to terms with that in their own war- workforce, especially in places like care homes and everything like that. So that's actually a big hill to climb, isn't it? And it yes. seems to me that places like Headway are a great kind of secondary rehabilitation system, but we still don't have that, that primary rehabilitation thing where people no. just jump on it straight away. I mean, we had fairly minimal Neuropsychological treatment when we came out of our strokes, we were just kind of because because there aren't enough people to do all of that no. already. Well, yeah, so, goodness knows what what's going to happen with all these people post COVID. We're going to have to start training well, them the up thing. real that- quick, aren't we?
1: Well, that's the thing. i like, So, I was in hospital. I was obviously not in a stroke hospital. I was. Uh, physically I was like right I'm going to do this this and this and I was helped by that but apart from maybe once every couple of weeks uh, a psychologist coming and talking to me um, I didn't really deal with my mental issues I was dealing with my physical issues more in hospital yes. and so okay so after i came when i came to headway which was a, a little bit after when i came um when I had uh, people living in and looking after me say like lunch times and stuff like that um you know that's when they really dealt with my sort of neuropsychological issues yes. um and even that like until i was sort of met Sort of uh, started seeing Scott more regularly. It wasn't until then that I was actually able to piece back together my mental state and what I was doing. So yes, it's it's you know it's going to be difficult, but
0: it, is it going needs to, be to happen. Very, yes, absolutely. So long short, this is in the short term, we're going to have to start getting a strategy together. Yes, and in the long term, we're going to have to work through an enormous number of people. Who've got COVID brain damage? In the that's meantime, exactly. get a vaccine. That's the yes, only way. Isn't it? If you want to avoid brain Please damage, do. get your vaccine. Don't sort of and that's talk. The your, thing. Don't talk yourself out and of it.
1: That. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you know, I know people who are like, oh, um, I'm not sure what what does this vaccine do. You know, how is it going to affect me long term? okay, I realised, but I've I've had the vaccine, I've had my first vaccine and so I, I felt <laughs> awful. I felt awful the first <laughs> night um, but I just kept telling myself imagine if this was actual real COVID, imagine if this was real COVID, it would have wiped me out and I wouldn't be here. I am I'm 100% sure that if I had it, I would have passed away. Absolutely. Um, and And having gone through that stroke for two and a half years to try and get back to where I am, like it would just be such a waste. (laughs) And so, especially if you had, if you have any underlying issues, I would hundred percent get it. But I also, if you are offered, offered it and offered the opportunity to have it, take it because it's not worth the risk.
0: Even if you don't, if you don't mind getting COVID, you know, the fact is you don't want to have a stroke. So if you don't want a stroke, get a vaccine, you've got a better chance. Our thanks to Professor Barbara Wilson for an amazingly enlightening conversation. We hope to catch up with her in a couple of months. If you know someone who's suffered a brain injury following COVID, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at whatmemory2 at hotmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-M-E-M-O-R-Y, followed by the numeral 2 at hotmail.com. What memory is our personal podcast? Any views expressed appear to our own or the personal views of our guests? We are not expressing the views of any organisation or business. Thanks to our amazing sound editor, Jamie Rutherford, professional audio producer and fellow brain injury survivor. Okay, we're done. The only thing we know for sure after brain injury is that the future is unknown and daunting, but it can only get brighter if we plan for it to be that way. Bye for now.